We have great leadership here that understands that uh, one mistake can uh, be our demise. Um, one mistake can bring us all down in, in, in a real bad way. And it's not just coming to football. It can create a terrible illness. So I want to dominate when we leave the building. We want to crush this virus. We want to beat this virus into the ground. Uh, and I can use those words because it's not on our schedule. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. John Gruden. <laughs> He's not Only just respecting the John opponent. Gruden. It's not bu bulletin board That's material. Right. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't have to say that the virus puts its pants on the same way we do right. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. The, here, here's the bottom line. Winning this year is going to entail so much more than the things that you ordinarily do because the more guys you can keep healthy as it relates to the virus, the better chance you have to put your best foot forward. And ideally, every team will be able to do it. We don't want any team's best performances to be squandered by the fact that they've been careless when it comes to the virus. But this is part of the effort and part of the reason why, Chris, I believe that there's optimism. Now, we'll see whether the optimism is merited that the players will do what they need to do to keep themselves clean, to keep themselves from testing positive and not being available to play. The Raiders come in at number 22 on my preseason power rankings. They did finish 7-9 and nine last year. They, they had flashes. Yeah. Right? Remember when they beat the Bears in London? They made us think that beat maybe the Colts. there's a way to dig out of this. Yeah, they had a little run there. Right. But then it ultimately settled down. And when you consider all the stuff they went through, the Antonio Brown, it was just about a year ago when – when he had frozen feet. <laughs> I was in Cleveland, I, and, and right? I think went, I was doing the training camp tour. Yeah. And I just happened to say it on one of our segments of the show because I had found out, and then it became news. It went downhill from there with right. the helmet issue, and then he wanted to be cut. He got cut, and the Raiders didn't really have a replacement. They were pinning so much of their hopes to Antonio Brown in their passing game, but they got great performance out of Josh Jacobs. That One of their various first-round picks last year, great running back, one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year. And uh, year three for John Gruden back with the Raiders, Chris. This kind of feels like, even though you have an excuse for not being very good this year, if that's what happened, this kind of kind of feels like the year that if Gruden's ever going to light that fire, this is the year to light it. I agreed. I mean, I think they've put themselves at least in a position to you know light that proverbial fire, like you're talking about, finally with their team. I mean, hey, I mean, all honesty, he took over a team in a situation they you know they were crap. They really were. You know, they've had two phenomenal off-seasons in a row, I would say, in free agency and the draft. Mike Mayock's done a great job there. But, you know, I think the big thing is, yeah, you, you look at that John Gruden, the system. They did some good things last year. Derek Carr certainly seems comfortable. They haven't had weapons around them. Now, what they did do and what you just mentioned last year is they got one of the best offensive lines in football. I mean, they got road graders. They got killers. Richie Incognito, Trent Brown, uh, Rodney Hudson at center, still a great center in football. They got the Colton Miller guy at left tackle, you know, the first round of him a few years ago. So they built something there with Josh Jacobs and protecting Derek Carr. Now they got some receivers this offseason in the draft specifically. So now I think was the chance, at least for the John Gruden offense, we're going to go, okay, let's see what this is all about. Because you got the running game. They got a tight end in Darren Waller that – is one of the best tight ends in football. I'm not saying he's George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, but he might be the next guy on the list. He's special. So there's something to build off, and that's where I get excited for the Oakland Raiders. I think they're one of those teams where, you know, I, I, maybe they go 7-9 to nine or 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, but I think it'll be a different look of their team this year and much more exciting, and I'm excited for that.
And remember, this year there's that extra wild card berth yeah. in this conference, eight and eight, nine and seven. If you're in that territory, you're at least not going to be dead until week 17 as it relates to your postseason. Just a tough division, we know. Now, right. Well, and that's the thing. You could be the fourth place team in the AFC West and better than the third place and second place teams in every other division in the conference. But hey, they better get used to it with Drew Locke in Denver and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And if Justin Herbert pans out for the Chargers, man, it's going to be a long decade or so for the Raiders until they find a franchise quarterback. And they thought they had a franchise quarterback in Derek Carr. They continue to keep Derek Carr. But Mike Mayock, the team's GM, continues to be more candid than any NFL executive that I can ever remember when it comes to saying that the same standard that applies to every other player on the roster applies to the quarterback. We're always looking for someone better. We're not going to fail to try to upgrade at every position, including quarterback. There's been this sense that they've been looking and wondering and seeing what they could do. Marcus Mariota is in now as a backup with some thinking that Mariota is going to do to Derek Carr what... Ryan Tannehill did to Marcus Mariota last year. You throw all that into a ball, Chris. Derek Carr is getting upset. Here he is from yesterday. Did I think about opting out? Um, when this thing came up, I, I did not. Uh, I have a lot to prove to myself. I have a lot to prove to, to my organization. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. I'm tired of being disrespected. So uh, there was no question I was going to play this year. But I'll tell you one thing. In our quarterback group, we ha- you have to compete. That's what I do. You guys, anybody who's around me, all I'm going to do is compete. I've, I've had multiple starters in the NFL come in here and be in the same room as me. Uh, You can go through the list about who's started games and who's been in our quarterback room. It happens all the time. But when you go seven and nine, people like to make up stuff. (laughs) Uh, Look, it's it really bothers (laughs) them. Frozen on that face. It really bothers them though. And that can I just say this? Yeah. Since he's already got me blocked on Twitter. I don't know how old Derek Carr is now. He's got to be getting closer to 30. He's north of 25. He's somewhere in that range between 25 and 30. I don't know at what age it's no longer acceptable to wear the the T-shirt where you've gotten your own scissors out and cut out extra material so you can show off even more of your shoulder. Like, I thought that was a 20, 21, 22-year-old thing. I've been there. I've done that, but it was a long time ago. I think the cutoff is probably 24 where you don't do that anymore. I don't know, Chris. What do you think? Well, I, I think you're a jerk. I think that's what you are. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, he's wearing that because that's what he wears under his shoulder pads is what I'm guessing. It just feels better. You know, sometimes as a quarterback, you don't sure like. Sure it is. Well, sure. You, you don't sure. like. I'm sure he likes to show his sure guns, right? He wants to show his guns. Yeah. I get sure that. Sure he didn't change his shirt before he showed up for his press conference. I, I oh, don't, this is just what I happen to have on. I think They're it is what he had on. I'm going to stick up for him there. And listen, people rag on him. And I understand he can come off as, you know, dorky at times I I get it yes I've been around him before he's not as dorky in person as he comes off in interviews at times you know that's good to know well hey it is good to know he's he's cooler in person bar but you could tell it bothers him here's why and that's where he's got to get over it it's got to stop taking it personal just worry about yourself Derek Carr you have a lot of talent you can be the franchise quarterback for a long long time and they put some pieces around him this year. Oh, oh, hey, he's going to be the quarterback of the Raiders as long as he chooses to be. Remember that from last year? I do yes. remember. This, this, this is the yeah. thing. Back when The Office was popular, and it's still popular now, it's arguably more popular than it was, and it was on TV, and it's heading to Peacock uh, first of the year. The, the, Michael Scott was just that ultimate awkward 
no self-awareness guy. And, and, and the saying was, you either know a Michael Scott, and if you don't know a Michael Scott, you are Michael Scott. And I look at Derek Carr, and I think he probably doesn't know a Michael Scott. He's just got that way about him. It's that lack of self-awareness. It's that awkwardness. And it's trying so hard to not be awkward, trying so hard to be cool, trying too hard. And I don't know, maybe with maturity he'll figure it out. But that's what – that's just – how do you inspire a locker room full of grown-ass men? when you have that element to your personality? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, that's a, that's a legit question. You're right. It's not maybe the type of personality that's going to rub off in a locker room. Uh, uh, he's going to have to do his talking with his work and his play, you know, and which is what most quarterbacks should do. You know, we think quarterbacks are cooler than they are anyways because, hey, they're handsome, they make a lot of money, and we think, whoa, they play cool quarterback. A lot of these guys are dorks, uh, you know, for lack of a better way to say that. You know, a lot of my friends thought I was a dork, especially when I was playing. You know, they Your did. Your friends are very perceptive. Yeah, they're very, they are. They're spot on. <laughs> um, and, and I think because of maybe all these things, it's easy to jump on him. I, I, and, and that I, I get. And, of course, I think he opens that, you know, Pandora's box to be jumped on at times. You know, she comes out and jumps all over him. You know how Pandora box is. Full of, <laughs> box full of Pandora. Uh, yeah. What's in Pandora's box, Chris? <laughs> That's a box full of Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do, I like Derek Carr's talent. He does have talent. He has a good, you know, a good brain. He processes information. What was the big thing I know I, I talked about during our quarterback rankings? He's got to let it loose. And I think maybe that's a little bit of the personality we're seeing that's going over. You know, he's letting the critics worry, you know, dictate his play a little maybe to a degree. Let it go this year, big guy. You got a good arm. Fire it around the field. I don't care if you throw for 79% and the greatest completion percentage ever. You need to make plays to that offense, and he's got the ability to do that. And now with Ruggs and Tyrell Williams and, you know, Darren Waller and, of course, that run game and the and other guys they drafted in the draft, you go, you know, th- it's there for him to do that this year. And I just hope he takes his advantage and, and kind of lets it loose this year. And it doesn't help matters at all that you do have a general manager. Who no, has you're been exactly very right. About his willingness to go find someone better than they you. They opened you know, Pandora's look, box, Mike. You're exactly seven right. And a half they opened it for Marcus Mariota. Yes, and and I feel like what they're trying to do is needle him and needle him into being a better quarterback than he is. Like, whatever that element is that we witness where he does seem a little nerdy, a little dorky, a little not self-aware, that, that they're, they're trying, and they, they're, they're searching for the button. Yeah. And the latest effort to search for the button is to go sign Marcus Mariota and see if that's the thing that finally gets Derek Carr to be the guy that they think he can be. Because that's reality. He's got the potential. He just hasn't gotten full performance out of that potential yet no well you know and we saw a little of that potential you know early on in his career what was that the 2016 season when he got hurt and you know he was in the MVP conversation and all that but I'll say what the difference was then too you know was he had talent around him there at that point there there was some receivers and some people that you know could take advantage of some of his plays so you know maybe that button that they're searching for in that magic way about him maybe that was just getting some people around him that he felt confident okay I can let it loose we'll see that's certainly a big question you know there's a lot to like on the team but that's a big question you know defense has been turned around they they did a good job there but they have playmakers guys that can change the game on that side of the ball I don't know but I do like the direction the Raiders are going 
He was in the MVP conversation in 2016 until the Thursday night game in Kansas City. Right, that cold game. He he self-disqualified himself that night. But he was in the conversation that year. He was. And and, and I really do think that, you know, his third season in the NFL and he he makes a splash – if you don't follow that up, you really do set yourself up for criticism because you've declared yourself one of the better quarterbacks of the NFL. He was the highest paid player in the NFL for a little sliver of time, I think, until Andrew Luck jumped him or he jumped Andrew Luck. No, he jumped Andrew Luck, then Matthew Stafford jumped both of them. But there was that period where it was like one domino after another. But for like a month, he was the highest paid player in the NFL. But then when you don't take that to the next level or sustain that, that's when people start jumping on you. And that's when your team starts looking for someone else. And that's what this has been. I feel like they've just been treading water the past couple of years, waiting for someone better than Derek Carr or waiting for a better version of Derek Carr. Either way, they're not happy with where he is right now. I think that's very fair. What you just said. And I think that's what it is, Mike. It really is. You know, Gruden, you know, John Gruden, he, Listen, I heard this crap when I was playing. He wants quarterbacks that can make plays. He wants guys that can take the pressure off him in the offense at times. That's why, you know, if you've ever listened to him the years when he was doing Monday Night Football, he would drool over guys like Aaron Rodgers and people like that. That's why he was drooling over Kyler Murray in the draft last year because he's going, damn, I could never call the right play all game wrong, and this guy could probably make some plays and still make my offense look good. That's what he wants from Derek Carr. Pete Dim a little, 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 he has a stat that I think really kind of says a lot about Derek Carr. Derek Carr has the most losses in NFL history with throwing 10-plus passes and not an interception in that game. To me, that is a stat that I love because Pete's listening, but exe- you know, it, it, it amplifies what I was trying to say about, yeah, that's great, you know, completion. Per- you got you to make some plays to go win the game every now and then. You got you to gotta do something. And when you're to your point, when you're making $25 million a year and they want you to be that guy, go ahead. Start pushing the boundaries a little. Sorry. But I vividly recall you explaining the way that John Gruden is with his offense. His offense is a Ferrari, yep. and he doesn't want you to scratch it, much less crash it. And is that why we've seen a conservative Derek I, Carr? Well, because yes. John Gruden has him afraid of his own shadow? I, I don't doubt that. I think there's there is a little of that there, too. Yes, you know, John one day could tell you to be careful, don't do this, don't do that, and then the next day he'll be like, hey, cut it loose, big guy, I need you to go out there and make plays today. And, yeah, you can get a little bit like, wait, which guy am I dealing with here today? Is this, you know, take care of the ball, Gruden, or be aggressive and make plays, Gruden? And he's going to have to find that fine line. He is. And then and th- at some point he might just have to mother F John Gruden every now and then, like Rich Cannon used to do. I mean, Rich Gannon used to walk off the field and you'd see seven swears coming out of his mouth because he's telling him, shut up. You didn't see that coverage. You didn't see that guy in front of me. And I think it'll go a long way when Derek Carr does do something like that with his team and everybody. They're going to be like, oh, woo, look at our quarterback. It, it, it really could maybe help him out in the situation. But I think that's what has been going on for the last two plus years in Oakland and now Las Vegas, trying to get whatever there is that fire within Derek Carr to take over. And at some point, at some point when you've tried everything, when you're out of carrots and you're out of sticks, you just have to say it ain't there, right? That's the test this year for Derek Carr. Is there something inside of him? With all, and we, we played the video. He's 
he's upset. You could see okay, it. Fine. So maybe it's burning now, a little. Now show us. Yeah. Now, right. now show us. Right. Now show us. Because if you're not going to show it on the field this year, you're done as the quarterback of the Raiders. Period. And, and and he should embrace this kind of stuff. He shouldn't get mad and go hide in the corner and block people on Twitter. He should stand up and say, screw you. I'm going to show you what yeah, I can do. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly right. Just go out there and show us. And, you know, like we've said, too, you know, I think the exciting thing for Derek Carr and Gruden and everything there is, yeah, we've talked about some of the talent, the offensive line, the running back. You know, he can let it loose this year. They're going to have support around him. Gruden's going to put together a good game plan. He'll stay patient with the run game. And – they're going to have to win games with their offense this year. That, that to me, is the next step here. Their defense, hey, Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski in free agency. Yeah, it's great, you know, the, the draft picks uh, to help their team. But they don't have a guy on their defense where you look at and go, oh, that's a Khalil Mack or, you know, that's an Aaron Dot. They have nobody that can sway a game that way. And we saw that last year. Their defense was incapable of closing games out in some of these close games. So – you know, Derek Carr, I think, is going to have to push the envelope a little bit this year with offensive explosion and aggressive plays because I don't think their defense is set up as young as it is right now and still kind of growing that that's going to win them a whole lot of games. I, I, look, they, they have the talent. It's not going to be easy in this division. Uh, we just need to see more from Derek Carr, and hopefully that anger that was manifested yesterday becomes the theme, becomes the thing, becomes the device for him to stand up, for him to show the mental toughness, for him to stick it back in people's faces and perform and not get bogged down by uh, worrying about whatever it is that people may be saying and whether or not the team is looking for another quarterback. All right, best case, worst case for the Las Vegas Raiders this year who will be playing before no fans. They've yeah. already announced that at their home games. No fans this year. What's the best outcome? Well, I don't think the, I don't think realistically I could sit here and think best case the Raiders sneak into a wild card. Not right now. I can't. You know, I think they're a team that I look at as best case, like, you know, a 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe a 10-6 and six team that's on the, on the outside looking in. I don't really look at it that way. I think they're a team that's on the outside looking in. Having a chance in December is the best case. Worst case, I don't see a really low floor. I don't know how you feel about it, Mike. But, I mean, I would be shocked of anything worse than 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10. That's about as bad as it gets. But I really think they're a team that will be consistent and, and flirt with that 8-8 eight and eight kind of record. You've got a really tight window, though. I know. I know. I don't see Raiders. You're right. And if the floor is where you say it is, uh, they're playing the four teams of the NFC South this year. They're playing the four teams of the AFC East this year. Um, I, I could see them be third place in the division, potentially, right? They'd, they, whether they can overcome the Chargers or the Broncos, that, that's not going to be easy to do. But I could see third place in the division and seventh seed. I think that's possible. That's the best case for the best case would even be making it to the sixth seed with tiebreakers and whatnot. Yeah, okay. Especially with all the uncertainty over COVID nineteen. But you're setting a floor that puts them in contention into the middle of December. Yeah. If you think that the floor is seven and nine, six and ten. Yeah. Right. Un unless they're three and ten down the stretch, and which I don't think that'll be the case. Six and right. ten. Yeah. Right. So they're going to be in that that seventh playoff spot is going to put a lot more teams in play for the playoffs than we otherwise would have. Yeah. So I think they're going to be in contention 
for seven seed, maybe six seed, and uh, and then they go to the playoffs and they lose in the playoffs and they decide as to get usual next year. The the, the I, I I I I hear you there totally. I hear you the, the, as usual. The oh the thing I always look at right with the schedule. Yeah, the conferences they're playing. And then I look at the start. You know, and and, and that to me is going to tell us a lot. Going across country to play the Carolina Panthers to start, but then you got to go Saints at home at the New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs by week. Tommy Boy and the Buccaneers come to town. I mean, that's that's legit right there. So uh, they're going to have to be on their p's and q's and ready to go when they when they hit the you know hit week one and, and make sure they're ready to run. Yeah, uh, well, we'll see how they turn out. But uh, definitely not the easiest of divisions for the Las Vegas Raiders, not the easiest of circumstances. We'll see what happens. We've got a Derek Carr-inspired draft coming later in the program. It has nothing to do with the quarterback. Whoa! Material. Whoa! Get, get out of here hey, with that. You're that too, is, you're that too is old to be wearing that shirt there. Is, I was 20. <laughs> I was 20. Man. Get that off the TV. Look at that. All right. Woo! Uh, ben got some chest hair crawling I, up his neck. It looks good, Let me tell baby. you something, though. <laughs> let me tell you something. Look carefully at the top of the sleeves. That is not altered by scissors. That is the way it was purchased. I don't so, know if uh, I believe I that. The, I need I to look closer. I didn't do the homemade. Let's expose even more. All right, get that out of here. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger did something this offseason he almost never, ever did in any previous offseason. Throw a football. We'll have more PFT Live right after this. Our field was really, really good. We threw a lot of balls yesterday. And, um, you know, kind of waking up today to, to see how it was going to feel, and it feels great. And, and that's kind of what I anticipated because we've been working more than usual in offseason in terms of growing. Um, I've, I've, I've put together really a regimen of, of two to three days a week of throwing uh, for the last probably kind of two months, if, if not longer than that, too. So um, I think the plan is still to kind of um, really kind of pitch count, if you will, through training camp. Obviously, this is a little different training camp because you're not really doing one-on-ones and you're not doing seven-on-seven seven right now. So right now, we're just building up and, and working on timing with receivers, tight ends, running backs, things like that. So um, I, I have had no setbacks. It feels it feels really, really good. And so I, I'm really excited about that. Ben Roethlisberger talking to reporters for the first time this season. Had that elbow surgery last year that knocked him out of 15 games, actually 14-plus games. The Steelers were thrown into disarray, and they still almost made it to the playoffs with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at quarterback. Chris, you talked to Roethlisberger last year, training camp, and he said he basically doesn't do anything in the offseason. Well, now he's starting to realize he's got to put in the work if he wants to extend the career. He looks leaner. He looks more fit. I've seen pictures of him on Twitter where he looks like a different yeah, guy. Right. Uh, and and he said yesterday <clears throat> he's still in it to win Lombardi's with an S. He's got two on his resume. It's been a long time since the last one. It's now 12 years since the second Super Bowl victory, 10 years since the last Super Bowl appearance by the Steelers when they lost to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and, and, and look. I, I, I'm never going to count out the Steelers, especially when you count them out is when they rise up and bite you in the butt and go to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. This team is dangerous. Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. If Roethlisberger is healthy and they can get some production in the running game and get someone to stretch the field That's offensively, yep. 
that that defense has gotten so much better. Quite that's the reason why that team had a chance last year. It wasn't the offense. It was the defense. If that offense can get back to what it was just a few years ago at a time when the defense is much better than it had been in years, this is a team that could be very dangerous. I, I agree, Mike. I, I think there are one of those teams that, you know, we might not put in that main conversation for Super Bowl with some of the elite teams, but, like, you know, yeah, sitting here right now, August, whatever the hell day it is, 6th, or whatever five or five six, early five, August five and would I be sit would I, I wouldn't be shocked if it came February and the Pittsburgh Steelers were in the Super Bowl this, the defense is a Super Bowl defense as you just mentioned you know and they were you know very good last year with absolutely no offense and just really below average quarterback play in a lot of games so to have Big Ben back and to hear that he's been throwing and everything I've seen I it it looks good Mike it sounds good coming out of there, too, all the things you hear out of Pittsburgh. So that is exciting. But I think you hit it, Mike. You know, running game. Yeah. Can we get a running game this year? You know, they drafted the kid uh, McFarland out of Maryland to go with James Conner. Can he help out? He's like he's got a rocket up his butt. Maybe two of them, Mike. You know, and then, yeah, who is that receiver that's going to jump up? We saw James Washington take a step in the right direction last year. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he's a guy they drafted in, you know, in the mid rounds, two, uh, two drafts ago, they need him to step up chase Claypool. Who's it going to be? But, uh, I I'm with you, Mike, you know, they need that other guy along with Juju to take pressure off Juju. So we can see what Juju's all about again, once again, too, because, you know, I think the one thing we saw last year is he's not a like primetime number one game-changing type receiver. He needs somebody across from him to help him out a little bit. I do think that's the case, uh, but I I'm excited about the Steelers. This is the Keenan Allen argument that we had recently. Not that we had an argument because we both agreed. He had an argument with where he was placed on some top 10 lists. If you can't stretch the field and command double coverage, you're not a top-end receiver. And I remember last year, I don't know that it was right around this time, but it was some point in that gulf between May and August where Juju came out and said how much he's working on getting open deep. The guys who are the best at it don't work at it. No. They just go do it. Right. Right? And that was the first flag for me that, that this is just because the guy was the team MVP in 2018 and that lit the fuse on Antonio Brown finally wanting out. You know, that's why Antonio Brown was upset. He knows that Juju got all those opportunities, all those catches, because he had the number one that was taking all the attention. Juju can't be the number one. He could be a great, 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 great number two, but they need someone to be the number one. And uh, that's one of the unknowns this year. And, you know, that, that's, that, that's why you put Antonio Brown on your list of teams the other day. The Steelers on the list of teams that should go get Antonio Brown. Because yeah. that would instantly give them back the number one that they didn't have well yeah exactly right you know yeah for right now you're you're gonna have to prove on unpro you know you're gonna have to rely on unproven commodities that's that's the big thing and you know not that the other guy needs to be a number one or be Antonio Brown you can be a really good offense and have all number two type receivers you know or or, or a bunch of number threes and just a one real good number two and maybe that's the case, or they have to find the role or whatever it may be for certain guys here. But, you know, that that is the big thing. The run game gave them nothing last year. You know, the offensive line is getting up there in age. They're not quite as dominant as they were, you know, maybe four or five years ago. But, you know, they got to get more out of James Conner. They need more, you know, something out of this rookie Anthony McFarlane. And then if Big Ben stays healthy, 
you know, I, I think he's going to get this wide receiver group going. He'll get them confidence. It's hard when you're a young guy and you got a quarterback you know that can't really deliver the ball consistently is all over the place for you to grow as a receiver when you're not getting the right opportunities either. So, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll take the right steps. And as we talk about a lot, they're a team that always seems to know receivers. And you know I love that Chase Claypool at a Notre Dame, and I would be, wouldn't be shocked. He would be one of my under-the-radar Rookie of the Year candidates that I would throw out there to some people if they wanted to lay down some change right now. And here's the caveat that we need to attach here, at least I do. You may agree with me, Chris. You may not. If you agree with me, great. If you don't, I don't care. <laughs> I Just because – you know, if Ben Roethlisberger had this elbow thing when he was 25 – then, okay, we got it fixed. We did what we had to do. He's rehabbed. He's good to go. He's good to go for another 10 years. I think back to the photos of him, whether it was this camp last year or the one before that, where he looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man with the ice pack on his shoulder and an ice pack on this elbow and an ice pack on right. that elbow. That was me at training camp last year pack. with him. Okay, all these ice packs, yeah. right? What is the elbow the first of just the system breakdown? Here's a guy who has played for years, who's always carried around more weight than he should, banging on his joints and his bones and his cartilage and his ligaments, and getting hit a lot, getting injured from time to time. Is the elbow the first thing to go, and will it just be a matter of what's next? That, if I'm a Steelers fan, that's the thing that has me awake at night worrying that it's back to the Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges show because they didn't go out and upgrade the backup quarterback position what do you think of that well uh, no I, I I think it's something I'll be looking for too I don't expect that to be the case I don't you know uh but I mean your point is very real he took a beating he played the position about as physical as you could play it for a period of time and I don't know if he quite gets the respect for that you're right that would be what I'm scared a little bit too is that just has it all of it caught up to him and yeah, you're right. This is the first of many other issues, but I'm hoping that's not the case. And the big thing is with the elbow, and I saw it at training camp last year, and hopefully he's learned from it. Yeah, there's the picture. You know, yeah, he hadn't been throwing all offseason. He told me. He threw a few passes to his kids. That's all it was. And, you know, then all of a sudden you get into training camp and you start throwing the ball hard and the number of balls you throw per day, it wears you out to where he got tendonitis and obviously caused some damage in there to, to the ligaments. So, uh, I'm hoping it's just that, but yeah, Mike, that concern's real. There's no doubt. Derek Carr believes he's disrespected. Ben Roethlisberger may be disrespected. Inspired by what Carr had to say yesterday, our draft coming up, the most disrespected players in the National Football League and figures. We're widening it out to anyone that you want to throw into the bucket. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Can you please stop with that? Oh, Listen, baby. A, Woo, I'm, I'm going to peel back the curtain. Get that off there. G Matt Casey was in the house man of the a couple year. of years ago. It was either last year or the year before. And that, that's a photo of me and my dad from 1987. It's down in my garage up on top of a storage case. And I saw Casey with his phone doing this stuff. And I should have grabbed the phone and slammed it against the wall. I told him, that is unauthorized. You're a guest in my home. This is a private situation. Never use that. Or else. Screw so you, So guess Florio. what, Matt Casey? You thought a storm went through yesterday. You wait till I get up there to New Rochelle or whatever the hell it is that you live now. All right, I'm just kidding. I don't care. 
Um, let's get to it. Most disrespected figures in the National Football League. Today's draft. Chris, you have a question for me. Oh, I do. It's uh, movie-related. I know this is a movie you like, okay? Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, who played Al Cervic in Caddyshack. I don't know if I said the, the last. triple Lindy. All right, yeah. What was his occupation in the movie? He was a contractor. He was like a builder. Yeah. All right. We'll give it to you. Servic yes. construction. Yep. Servic construction. Land developer. Way to go, man. Yeah. You really. I, oh my arm. I didn't it's know broken. if you would get that, but I guess you do know that movie that well. The whole idea is Rodney Dangerfield always said, "I don't get no respect." So that's the purpose of today's draft. The guys who were disrespected. And I think respect. there's a difference between. I think there's a. It's subtle. There's a difference between not getting respect and being affirmatively disrespected. So there's a subtlety there. There Chris, is. Or as you may say, a, well, a subtlety there. Well, So I'll, I'll, let, let me show you how it's done, all right? Yes, but I do think you're I right, pick, and I just right? want to make – yeah, you're right, because it's not about guys that are underrated, right? That's what you basically said that first one. It's about your disrespect, right? How you disrespect Constant me disrespect. On, a daily, on a right. daily basis with your words. Exactly. Right. Constantly, constantly the subject of criticism that is unwarranted. And I'm going to begin with a team that we were just talking about, but not the guy that we were talking about. My first pick in this draft is Mike Tomlin, one of the finest coaches in all of football, one of the better coaches in the history of football. We've talked about this recently. When guys leave the Steelers, guys who by all appearances hadn't been a problem, they go somewhere else and they're a problem. It's like, why didn't we know about this? We didn't know about it because Mike Tomlin is able to get his guys, whoever they are, whatever their issues, whatever their problems, whatever their personalities, he gets them all on the same page. He gets the most out of them. He makes chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, especially last year. If they made it to the playoffs last year, he'd have been the PFT coach of the year. Yeah. Now, I couldn't make him the coach of the year because they didn't make it to the playoffs, but he took a horrible situation, no Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown, no Ben Roethlisberger, and he turned it into something that almost took them to the playoffs. And if they'd have gotten to the playoffs, they'd have been dangerous in the playoffs. They are a dangerous team week in and week out, year in and year out. And I think if he had done what he's done with any team other than the Steelers where we've come to expect over the last 50 years that this is going to be a good team, we'd appreciate it more. Yeah. And what makes it affirmative disrespect is you talk to anybody in Pittsburgh, you talk to a Steelers fan, they lose two games in a row, fire Mike Tomlin. No doubt. They, they fall out of the playoff season, fire Mike Tomlin. Just wait. Just wait. If they ever fire Mike Tomlin, wait and see what he does somewhere else. And wait and see what his replacement does in Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, I'm really proud of you for this pick. It's a great pick. I mean, it really is. He's he's easily one of the most disrespected people, coaches, you know, that we've seen in the NFL over the last few years. There's no doubt about it. An unbelievable uh, communicator, you know, unbelievable at motivating guys and doing all that. And, yeah, they've had some personalities up there. And I'm I'm proud of you, too. Because, I mean, I feel like when I first got on this show, you weren't sure – what he was as a guy, but I think you've seen enough to go, wait, this guy is, you know, kind of what you just explained. So way to self scout yourself and realize what a good coach and how disrespected he is. I like that. I like don't, that about don't, you. Don't take credit. Don't take credit for me changing my position. <laughs> you're very, you're very, you're very in a very nuanced way, yes. more nuanced than you were capable of three years ago when you started working with me. You're trying to take credit yes. for my change of tune. I am. Right. I am trying to take credit. You're exactly right. All right. Well, I'm going to somebody this off season, right? That, that I just feels disrespected. Dak Prescott. He's going to be my first pick. I mean, damn, 
I mean, you know, don't pay him the money. He doesn't deserve it. I mean, oh, geez, God forbid he like drives a hard bargain with like the richest owner in football. Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, we should just play with Andy Dalton this year. What? What? Like insanity for the guy who led football and passing yards and one of the most explosive arms in football throwing the ball down the field. Listen, I understand if we want to push back against the narrative of maybe he shouldn't get $38, $40 million a year. Okay, that's cool. But for the narrative to have changed, like, can the Cowboys win without Dak Prescott? Is Dak Prescott a franchise quarterback? Yes, he's proved it for four years in a freaking row. So get over it. And I just don't like that. So I feel like he has been disrespected. Yeah, and he's disrespected by fans, by media, and by the team that has has refused yeah. to pay him. Yeah. Now, they're paying him $31.4 million this year. We should all be so underappreciated, but they've refused to give him that long-term contract that he has earned. All right, next one for me. Speaking of self-scouting thyself, get your flower out. You got your flower in? Right. Oh, baby, you know bingo. We have a you bingo. All our producers <laughs> thought you would pick him. I, oh, they all called it before. They all said it. So, well, oh, he is he, he is loves disrespected me. even if I'm he loves even me if not. I'm one of the main culprits. Me. Kirk Cousins <sighs> is disrespected. Uh-huh. Look, last year and and after he was openly disrespected Does it by count, Adam though, Thielen if you're the ringleader of the disrespectors? Does care. it count? I don't okay. care. Apparently you don't. I don't care. Okay. Uh, but after he was disrespected by Adam Thielen, who called him out, Stephon Diggs, who went AWOL for several days, that did something. That, that woke this guy up. And yeah. he had a great, great statistical run last year. And he made, you know, the throw of his career against the Saints in overtime of the playoffs. And we... We talked to him at the Super Bowl, how uh, that will potentially carry over. You know, we've we've lost track of all that this year because of the pandemic. But I, I, I think that now he's a great example for what Kirk Cousins or for what Derek Carr needs to do. Kirk Cousins takes the abuse and he gets pissed about it, but he doesn't go whine about it. He doesn't block people on Twitter about it. He doesn't go curl up in a ball and turn the light on and off over and over again. He goes out and he shows you, I can do it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to stick it to you. And that's what Derek Carr needs to do. What Kirk Cousins did last year when he was taking it both internally and externally from all of us, people like me, from Stephon Diggs and 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 Adam Thielen. And I guarantee you one of the reasons Stephon Diggs isn't in Minnesota anymore is because he and Kirk Cousins just don't see eye to eye. I think that motivates him too. And I think he's been disrespected by teammates, by media, by fans, and and this is maybe this is his year. Maybe this is his year where he takes it to the next level, Chris. Yeah, I, I hope so. But either way, I mean, your point's real. He has been disrespected. You know, I yeah, the contract stuff, everything there. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But he's still top half of football starting quarterback. And yes, at times, for whatever reason, people talk about him like he's one of the five worst quarterbacks in football. And that's where it's not fair. And um, so, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with you so far. Really two good picks. Like, you know, it's like chicken soup for the soul here. You're doing well. Uh, you might've won the draft already. I'm not even sure, but here we go. Wow. You're conceding. Well, yeah, there's right. two good ones and you're showing ahead, me let's such, see what you got. such great, you know, self scouting. Um, I'm going with Josh Allen. I'm going with my boy Blue. I'm going with Josh Allen. Yes. I mean, Josh Allen, no matter what he does, 
What, he threw for 400 yards and ran for 100 yards and three touchdowns? Oh, his accuracy is a problem. His accuracy is a problem. What? He just made like 10 unbelievable throws that like nobody on the planet can make. You know, oh, wait, wait, his team went to the playoffs. Oh, oh, wait, his team had a big lead in the playoffs. Why? Oh, because he was making freakish type plays out on the football field. To me, the, the people won't let the theme of what they saw in college go away from Josh Allen. I mean, 500 yards rushing, nine touchdown passes, team goes to the playoffs, you know, challenges the Patriots in the AFC East, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Yeah, 58.8% completion percentage. Okay, he's not Drew Brees. He can do some other things that Drew Brees can't do either. So I just get sick of hearing that crap all the time. He's a franchise guy. He's a difference maker. And I just feel like he doesn't – I feel like you've heard me say this. If other people had some of his resume already in the NFL, I feel like we'd be pumping them up a whole lot more than we pump up Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, and I'm not surprised that you're you're you're, you're twisting the narrative to get into uh, one of your guys. Here's what I'm going to do. My last one. I could go a lot of different ways. Yeah. I'm going Adam Gase, the Jets head coach. Okay. You know, th- th- there's just like the, it's like a yeah, it is the media. Like, oh, he's terrible. He's no good. It's like people. He took the Dolphins to the playoffs his first year on the job there. And then it was one hardship after another. And he never complained about it. You lose Ryan Tannehill. You have your schedule turned upside down by a hurricane. You've got this injury. You've got that injury. You've got this guy who's a malcontent. You've got that guy who's a malcontent. And then you come to New York and you become Manish Mehta's personal pin cushion for an entire year and a half. And Jamal Adams takes aim. I mean, they were six and two last year, the final eight games of the year with everything that went wrong for that team last year. Sam Darnold's got mono. CJ Mosley's out for the year. They went six and two down the stretch. And, and, and it's, it's like there's this rush. When's he going to get fired? When's he going to get fired? Got to get him fired. It's like people wake up and look at what this guy's done as a head coach. Look at what he's done with quarterbacks. And look, the pressure's on him now because regardless of the reality, the narrative is yeah, he's it's hanging there. by a thread. Right. This, is his, this, this is his chance to show everybody that uh, they're full of crap. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't. I, you know, I know we talked about this last week. It, it, is, it is, does not make sense to me the disrespect that he gets, certainly. And, yeah, that Manish Mehta jumping on with Jamal Adams and that crap that went on last week added fuel to the fire. And, you know, you've heard me say, drives me crazy because the whole fan base up here was going, Jamal Adams, he's a poison, he's a cancer, get him off of our team. And then he said that, and they're like, we believe every word he says. So, I don't (laughs) like that. Um, All right. So Make your pick. I know, because I want to go Rodgers. I want to go Carson Wentz. I'm very tempted, but I'm not going. I'm going to Eric Bieniemy. okay? Yeah. The guy that's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs that, you know, can't really get a sniff for being a head coach in football, but yet is a big part of coaching one of the best offenses in football. Gosh, he coached Adrian Peterson back in the day, some through some of his best years of his career. I mean, wherever he's gone, he's been great, and nobody will give him respect in the NFL and really give him a little legitimate chance to get hired. And I don't like it, especially when the two guys previous to him, as in Peterson and Nagy, get jobs right away, and he doesn't. So he's been disrespected. All right, that's it for today's draft. Most disrespected figures in the NFL. I'm surprised you didn't take Daniil Hunter, the guy whose name you can't say, which is probably why you didn't take him. We've got more <laughs> BFB coming at you right after this. <laughs> FYI, I have the full letter agreement 
from the NFL and the NFLPA, which is both a blessing and a curse because now i got to read it and figure it out. But I'll be posting about the details all day long at ProFootballTalk.com, and we may have some of it to talk about tomorrow morning. Copy-paste, copy-paste, snarky comment. (laughs) Some good old reading by the pool. (laughs) Gonna get out by the pool and get this little. Can you get some sun and go in your damn pool, okay? Can, can and then read the CBA there. Up. <laughs> I was in a good mood two hours ago. Now I don't quite know how I feel. Yeah, we'll we get in the to be pool. Optimistic. We get a tan and wear that tank top we showed the picture of for us today, and let's throw it out on social media and see what you know the okay, before that, and after. That, what did he look like then? What's he look like now? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not gonna happen. Uh, we need to bring back some of your photos from the '80s though. Tomorrow, oh geez, uh, I think Rodney. Will, but we can get Rodney Harrison to critique your flock of seagulls haircut from the night that Phil was put in the it was ring horrible. Of honor. All right, that's it. Uh, we'll, we'll see, see you tomorrow. tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs> see you tomorrow.